Will you fight? No, we will run and we will live. Shame on you. This could be the greatest night of our lives, but you're gonna let it be the worst. Well, I'm not going home. And I'm gonna stay right here and I'm gonna fight for this lost cause. A day may come when the courage of men fails, but it is not this day. But the line must be drawn here, this far. No father. I'm not saying it's gonna be easy. You're gonna to have to work harder than you've ever worked before. But that's fine, we'll just get tougher with it. Because a person who just grits their teeth shows failure is not an option. That's how winning is done. We can break this army here. And win just one for the giver. But I say to you, what every warrior has known since the beginning of time. You gotta get mad. And I mean, plum. Mad dog. And they will know what we can do. Huh. Let no man forget how menacing we are. We are lying. You're like a big bear, man. This is your time. Seize the day. Never surrender. Victory or death. And you can tell our enemies. They may take our lives, but they'll never take our Independence Day. Man, doesn't that just get you pumped? I love those moments in all the movies and all the stories when that speech happens because I have found that the right word at the right time can make all the difference in the world. What's up, guys? My name is Patrick, and I am getting to share with you today, and I'm very excited about that because we are in a series right now called Pandemic Hope, Spiking the Curve. And I am just thrilled about that because this is what it's all about. It's about getting out and sharing and shining the light of Jesus in a way that just sweeps the world. That's what Jesus wanted us to do from the very beginning. And today I want to talk about something that if we could cause to, to sweep across the nation, it would make a difference in every one of our lives. Uh, I want, by the end of today, you to embrace the fact that God can do more through a single word of encouragement than you could ever possibly imagine. That you can inspire just like all those speeches, and it'll be even more important than winning one for the Gipper. And I know this is true because I, I've discovered something in, in my life as I've met people and I've talked to people and I've, I've heard uh, their stories. I, I found that Everyone that you meet is battling something. Everyone that you meet is facing a battle that you probably know nothing about. And I know that's true because there is so much negativity in the world today. You open up your social media accounts and you see just discouraging thing and downtrodden uh, people and over and over again, things that, that break your heart. You open up your news app and, and it just makes you want to sit down in the corner and, and cry. You talk to people in the world about the news and the things that are happening and it's just depressing because the world that we live in has become so incredibly critical and so undeniably hateful about everything. And I think it's time that we do something. We being the men and women, the believers in Jesus Christ, the followers of the one true God, that it's time for us to step up and step out and start lifting others up. To start bringing those words of hope and words of life and words of encouragement 
to everybody that we meet. This world has enough of people that are like Job's friends. You know about Job's friends? Let me tell you about Job's friends. Job, if you didn't know, is a book in the Old Testament, and it's about this man named Job. Uh, if you're looking for it, it's spelled Job, but apparently it's pronounced Job. So go find the book of Job. If you want to feel better about your life, read about his. All right, so Job was a guy, he was wealthy, he had beautiful children, he had flocks and uh, herds and a beautiful wife and good friends and loved the Lord his God with all of his heart. And Satan came and saw what was going on with Job and went to God and was like, God, Job loves you so much because you gave him everything he could possibly want. If you took all that away, Job wouldn't love you anymore. And uh, I love what God does there because he looks at him and he says, want to bet? And he gives Satan permission to start taking things away from Job. Job loses his, his wealth. He loses his source of income. He loses his job. And then he loses his children. And then he loses his own personal health and well-being. He gets sores all over his body. And he doesn't, I mean, it just, it just goes wrong and wrong and wrong. You can read it. And that's all in the first chapter of the book of Job. Where I want to take you today is in chapter 16, where we find Job with all of his sores and all of his scars sitting in the ash, sitting and mourning and contemplating his life when his friends show up. That's right. I'm doing air quotes for friends because they're not really good friends because they come in and they look at Job and they say, Job, what in the world did you do? Job, why did you sin so horribly? What could you have possibly done to make God do all this to you? How are you so messed up? And they just spew negativity at him. Negative, 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 negative. And Job is sitting there in his torn up clothes, covered in ash, and he looks at them. And, and I love what he says. He says, I've heard this all before. This is in Job 16 too. I've heard this all before. What miserable comforters you are. He's just calling it like he sees it. And then verse three, he says, won't you ever stop blowing hot air? What makes you keep on talking? I bet you've got some friends on Facebook that are like that all the time. Just type, 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 type. Just mountains of negativity. And, and you're sitting there going, why are you even doing that? Who is that helping? What, is that, what good is that doing? And, and this is what Job is saying to these comforters, these friends, these people that say that they're, they're on his side who are saying, just curse God and die. Even his wife is getting in on it. He looks and he says, why do you keep blowing hot air? Why are you still talking? But then verse four, he says, I could say the same things to you if you were in my place. I could spout off criticism. I could shake my head at you. But if it were me, I would encourage you. I would try to take away your grief. If it were me, I would encourage you and try to take away your grief. Job says, I want to be on your side I want to be your, your cheerleader, your encourager. I want to be the most encouraging voice that you're going to hear this side of heaven. If it were me, I would encourage you. Encourage you with my words because words are power. 
encourage you with my, my faith and my belief in you that God will never leave you, that God will never forsake you. If it was up to me, I'd encourage you. And, and I think that Job has it right. That that's the idea that we need to take because this world is already full of people that will tell us what we're doing wrong. The world is already full of people that are gonna bring the negativity, that are gonna bring the darkness. And so we have got to bring the light. The Hebrews writer says it this way in, in chapter thir- three, verse 13, he says, but encourage one another daily. That's a good challenge. Encourage one another daily. And he gives us a time frame for that. He says, as long as it is called today. Encourage one another daily as long as it is called today so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Because encouragement fights away sin. It's the opposite. Sin tears down and encouragement builds up. Sin tells you you can never be happy. Sin tells you that you're never going to measure up. Sin tells you that you don't have what it takes. Sin tells you that it's going to destroy you. And we believe it because there's no voice coming in on the other side saying you're going to be okay. And I don't need that from the outside world. I don't need that from the people that I call my friends because in my own head, I've already got it. My own brain is already telling me that I'm not going to measure up, that I'm not going to be good enough, that I'm never going to get it all done. I already get discouragement and negative voices in my own head. And so I need encouragement. And I know that because I need it, I should freely give it. Because I need it, I should assume that you need it too because I am not that special. I'm fighting battles just like everybody else. And so encourage each other daily as long as it is called today. And I know that when I start talking words like this, I start saying, be encouraging, tell people good things, do all this stuff that some of you are are like me, that that you're sitting out there going, that doesn't really come very naturally to me, Patrick. That's not something that I'm very good at. Um, I've said it already. I'm going to say it again. You'll hear it several times. That that is not my forte. Uh, I am the the sharp-witted, quick pointer outer of things that you're doing wrong and I know that about myself, and I fight that about myself on a daily basis. Uh, funny story. When I was in college, I went to Mid-Atlantic Christian University. I went to, it was you know, Bible College. It was Roanoke Bible College back then. And I was in Bible College, and we did this thing called a spiritual gifts inventory. And that's when you go sit down, you take a personality test, and it says, hey, you'll be good at these things in the kingdom of God. Which, by the way, I think a spiritual gift is anything that you do well and use for the kingdom of God. So that, that's a spiritual gift. Well, after we had done this in class, um, my buddy Joe is hanging out with me, and we'd hung out a lot uh, over the, the year uh, years that we were in college. And we're sitting there, and, and Joe looks over at me, and he says, hey, Patrick, I figured out what your spiritual gift is. And I was like, oh, okay, awesome. Uh, you know, we haven't gotten the results of the test back yet. I'm interested. What do you think my spiritual gift is? He looks at me, and in all seriousness, he says, Patrick, your spiritual gift is discouragement. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's what happened. He, and, and I got to be honest, as, as, I, as I listened to him say that, uh, 
uh, I had to admit that I understood what he was saying. Um, I, I saw it. And, and in fact, I may have even reveled in it for a moment. I may have thought, yeah, it sure is. I, I am good at telling people what they're not good at. I get those bad singers off stage real quick. But the more I thought about it, and especially over the years as I as thought about it, it has become more and more gutting that someone would look at me and say, your spiritual gift is discouragement. That what you're best at is tearing other people down. See, I, I'm not naturally good at, at being encouraging, and so I've got to work at it. But you know what else I wasn't naturally good at? Walking, right? I mean, did anybody start, come out of the, the womb just walking around? N none of us did. I mean, we're not horses. That's not how it happens. We've got to learn. We've got to take a moment. We've got to take it step by step. We, we, we do different things. You know, we have mom and dad hold our hands and waddle us around, or we grab a hold of the couch and we, you know, shimmy down the side. Or if you were like we were when, back in the day when it was still safe, you had a coffee table. I don't know why we don't have coffee tables anymore. I guess people bang their knees too much, but we have one. And I grabbed a hold of the coffee table and I would just do laps. You know, there's not video of it because I'm old, but there's pictures of me going around the coffee table. But I used crutches, I used tools, I used people, I used the things around me to get better at walking. We can do the same thing with being encouraging and we can do it together. So I want to give you some ways to be encouraging. I want, to, I want to help you out. All right, number one, very first thing you got to do to be encouraging. It's super easy, barely an inconvenience. What you have to do is when you see somebody do something good, you tell them that you think it's good that they did that thing. That's it. That's, that's, how, you are, that's how to be encouraging. When you see something good, you say something about it. If you see someone doing something great, you look at them and you say, man, that was awesome. And this is like a game changer. Like this is the kind of thing that will change your relationships completely because you start telling people the good things that they're doing and they're just be like, oh, okay. And then they'll do, do it more. You know, you, you tell your kids, hey, you did a good job folding those towels. Thumbs up, buddy. And, and they're like, oh man, I can fold towels. You did a good job cleaning up your room. I'm going to get my room clean, but it's not just for children. You can use it all over the place, everywhere. At work, someone treats you with respect. Tell them thank you for treating me with respect. I recognize that it's supposed to be a thing that is just done, but it's okay. Even if it's something that's part of your job, say thank you. Say good job. Say I, I appreciate your effort and your, your walk and your things that you're doing. And in your spiritual life, if you want someone to, to grow and be discipled, when they do something spiritual, say, hey, good job. You know, if they say a prayer, even if all it is is, you know, God, thank you for the food. Amen. Say, I love it when you pray. Thank you so much. And they will want to pray more because they'll have confidence and they'll be encouraged. And we can do this one step at a time. So the first thing you do is when you see something good, say it. Make it a priority. Uh, I heard uh, one guy say that he has a personal rule that for every critical negative thing that he says, he's going to say 100 positive things. 
He's going to make sure he does. And I lost some of you right then. A uh, hundred positive things sounds like a crazy thing. Like, is this just over the week or over a month? Like, can I take a year to say the hundred positive things? No, this was daily. This was every day if he said something negative. He wanted to say a hundred positive things to counteract it. And that feels like a lot. But check this out. In Ephesians chapter 4, this is Paul writing. And he says, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths but only what is helpful for building up others according to their needs, that they may benefit those who listen. Paul says it's not 100 to 1, it's 100 to none. That everything we do, everything we say should be encouraging and uplifting. And I know it's difficult I get it. I, I'm there with you. I, I am the one that wants to come out with the quip and the remark but I'm trying. And since I started working on this sermon, I have been trying really hard. And it, is, it has worked a little bit. I'm getting better, step by step. But I want you to know that my relationships are already changing. That I'm already seeing a difference. Now, I'm a dad. I've got four beautiful children. I love them to death. And I am making sure that the things that I'm saying to them are encouraging and good and positive because I want them to grow up hearing from me about how they're winning. I want them to grow up hearing from me about how their spiritual walk is growing. I want them to grow up hearing from me about the good things that they're doing and the things that I believe that they can accomplish and the things that they're doing right and pure and awesome. I don't want to be the voice that is just nitpicking them to death. And telling them all of the bad things that are happening. I'm not saying I don't discipline my children. I'm not saying that I don't make sure they're on the right path. But when they're there, I encourage them and I build them up. And this is a way to change every relationship in your life. Even your worst enemy, if you come at them with good, kind words, are going to have to see that only good can come from that. And so we need to be full of encouragement because like we said before, everybody that you meet is facing a battle that you know nothing about. Everybody that you meet is facing a battle of some kind, whether it's emotional or physical or spiritual or financial or jobble, no, occupational, uh, that one's hard. But whatever it is, they're facing a struggle somewhere, somehow that's pulling them down. And your word of encouragement of, hey, Thank you so much for being you. Thank you for doing a good job at that, for taking the time, for making the sacrifice could be the thing that changes their entire attitude. It could be what makes everything better. Guys, this world is so full of criticism and hatred and there's so much disappointment and negativity that, that we as the people of light the people that are saying that we're going to go out and shine light into dark places have got to start lifting up the other people out of darkness. We've got to be the ones that step out and say, I'm not going to be negative. I'm going to be encouraging. I'm going to be positive. Because I know it's not just the people that we meet that are struggling. Because if everybody that you meet is battling something, that means that, that you are too. That means that, that I am. I'm going to be a little transparent with you right now. Um, I, I struggle. I battle 
and I have for a long time, overwhelming feelings of inadequacy, of not being good enough, uh, of fighting the, the mediocrity that is uh, who I am and, and have always had just the smallest modicum of self-worth. I've been down and I've been anxious and I've been depressed and I, I often find that the one that needs encouragement the most is me. That might sound familiar to you. That might be a monologue that you're already having right now as I've been talking about the fact that the world needs encouragement. You're sitting there going, man, yeah, I could really, I could really use some. But we're stuck right now. We're, we're stuck at home and we're not getting out. And we're not being in the groups that we used to be in. And we're not getting able to, able to do the things we want to do. Not even that, that moment at, at church on Sunday morning when you come in and everybody's like, hey, how's it going? How's your week been? Because nobody's asking. And so you feel lost and alone. You're smiling on the outside, but on the inside, it hurts. I found a story in the Bible this week as I was researching this, this sermon that I, I, I know I've read through it before. I've read the words, but it has never hit me like it did this week. Uh, it's in the Old Testament. It's in 1 Samuel chapter 30. If you have your Bible and you want to turn there, that's awesome. It'll be on the screen in just a minute, but I'm going to set up the scene for you. King David, uh, David was one of the kings of Israel. He was like the king. Like when you talk about the king of Israel, you're pretty much talking about David uh, in, the old, in the Old Testament. And, and David had taken all of his armies and gone out on a, a quest, on a, an adventure, on a military campaign, I guess is what it would be called. And he'd taken all of the fighting men with him and they had gone out and they were gone for months. And they were doing well. They were victorious. They were winning battle after battle. And finally they decided that the campaign season was over and it was time to return home. And so they did only to find that while they were gone, the Assyrians had come in and burned their hometown to the ground, had taken all of the women and children and old men and had carried them off. Talk about a bad day. Here you are with all of your fighting men, all of your valiant warriors, and you come home to this absolute disaster. David's men were even more distraught than he was and start yelling for his head, believing it to be David's fault, believing it to be something that, that he could have done differently. If he hadn't taken them out on this campaign, if he hadn't made that choice, if he hadn't done this thing, then they would have been there to defend their families. And this is what it says in verse 6 of chapter 30 of 1 Samuel. David was greatly distressed because the men were talking of stoning him. Talk about an understatement. All of my dudes are trying to kill me. Uh, I'm depressed. No, I think David was distraught. David was down. David was all but sitting in a corner crying, curled up in a ball. I know that's where I would be if this was happening. And it says, each one of them was bitter in spirit because... 
of his sons and daughters because they've been taken away, because they were gone. And then I love this. And I love this about David. It says, but David found strength in the Lord his God. David found strength in the Lord his God. Uh, this, this is a phrase that's found a couple of times in Scripture. I, I think it's like six times this is found in there. And it's the base word here, to find strength or to take strength or to take courage, is the Hebrew word chazak. It's a real deep guttural H, chazak. And it's C-H-A-Z-A-Q, chazak. And what it means is to talk to yourself and to tell yourself to be strong. And look at what it says. is David Chazak in the Lord. David told himself about the good things that God was doing for him, about the goodness of who God was, about the great things that God has done in his life and that God was on his side and that God was for him. And David found strength. One uh, blog that I read this week said that Chazak is a bold word describing a believer's confident courage that is only perfected while waiting for God. It is only perfected in the mighty power of God, the ability to be brave, to be strong, to take courage, to not give up. God is in the chaos and storms of life, generously giving each seeker the courage, strength, stamina, endurance, perseverance, and fortitude needed for every situation. Chazak. And we've got to figure out how to find that. When we get down and depressed in ourselves and in our own heads, we need to find Chazak. So preach to yourself about God the provider, about God the protector, about God the all-powerful that loves you and is on your side. Listen to me. When you get down and depressed and discouraged and afraid of the world and the negative things that is pouring out on you. When you hear that negative thought that comes in and it sticks. It is a neurological fact. If you hear positive things and true things and good things, it takes your brain 15 seconds longer to believe it than when you hear bad things. You've proven this in your own life. If you've done something in front of people and afterwards you have a whole bunch of folks come up and be like, oh, that was so good. That was a good thing. Uh, you did so well. Thank you so much for that. And one guy comes up and was like, meh, that was all right. You dwell on that meh like it was the most powerful thing anybody's ever said to you. And you hold on to it and you pet it and you squeeze it and you're like, oh, this is... Because... Our brains want to believe the negative because it's so surrounding. But when you get there, take a moment. Take a breath and remember the God that you serve. Remember how good that he is. And, and as you preach to yourself, if that's not enough, if, if you feel like that would be weird, which I do it all the time, I just sit in the car and just preach to myself. You know, and it's not, Patrick, you can do it. Patrick, you got this. Patrick, you do a good job. Because that would be silly because Patrick is nothing. But when I say Patrick, God is on your side. Oh, that's power. And so find your chazak. Do that. And, and if you need to, sit down and write it down. Don't preach it out loud. Don't say it out but write it down. Get an actual pen and paper and tactically sit down and feel it as you write out the words. And write down a hundred good things. 
to counteract that one negative thing that somebody said to you. Maybe you're, you're right now going, I don't know if I can come up with 100 good things. You don't know what's going on in my life. You don't know what it's like behind my closed doors. Well, let, let me help you out. If you are a believer in Christ, if you are a believer that God is God and that Jesus is his son, then you've got a lot of things going for you already. For instance, no weapon formed against you will ever prosper. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You are blessed coming in and going out. Your, your sins have been forgiven. You have been redeemed. You are a child of the living God. You are a joint heirs with Jesus in the kingdom of heaven. You are an ambassador. You are the highest ranking diplomat that has been sent from heaven to earth to share the message of the gospel of peace. You have been freed from the power of sin. You have been set free and the chains broken from the power of death. You are the workmanship and masterpiece of God created in Christ Jesus to do good works that God already planned out for you to do. You are a new creation. Your sinfulness has been separated from you as far as the east is from the west. You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. You are loved by the creator of the universe. Be encouraged. Be filled with that knowledge because it's true. And, and if you're here today right now and you're thinking, what is going on? What are you talking about? All of that is just waiting for you. All of that power, all of that grace, all of that love, all of that light, all of that pure joy is yours for the taking. Because God loves you too. He doesn't care about what you've done. He doesn't care about the negative things that have been said about you. He doesn't care about any of that. He just cares about you. Now imagine if this were to spread as quickly as this virus has. Imagine if that truth and that knowledge and that light and that love shot out from Wilmington across the whole of the world so that every newsreader, every radio personality, every politician, every person that's standing on the street corner, every water cooler conversation, and everything that we said revolved around the encouragement of the fact that Jesus loves you, how different would the world be? And how quickly would it change? The negativity would be gone. The world would be different. And we would have pandemic hope. 
we would spike that curve so hard and so fast that it would shatter. So when you see something good, say something about it. Pick up your phone, text them, FaceTime them, Marco Polo them. Heck, use the thing like it's supposed to be doing. Call them. Let them know that you are thinking about them and you appreciate the work that they're doing. You will be amazed at the difference that it makes. If it were up to me, I would be encouraging and I would help to take this grief from you. Let's pray.